0: Joining us, as we said, on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline is the Assembly Speaker, Wisconsin State Legislator, Legislature, I should say, Speaker Robin Voss. Good morning, sir.
1: Hello, Steve. Hi, Sandy. How are you guys doing?
0: We are wonderful on this day. So I saw you were in my, one of my favorite places, the city of Oak Creek, doing something from the Civic Center. How, nice building, right?
1: It's a beautiful building. Was that <laughs> built under your tenure or was it after you?
0: It was during my tenure. If you look, If you look closely when you walk in the door, my name's on the plaque.
1: <laughs> well, it was very nice. They they were very accommodating, so it was good.
0: And I just want to give you some kudos because I love the fact that you're you're out and about talking about these issues because that's and that's really our starting point. One of the big things, the newsmaker of our conversation today, is the the tax plan that you talked about, Republican tax plan. Um, I guess from a taxpayer perspective, from a resident perspective of the state of Wisconsin, I'm going to ask it this way: We saw progress. My 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 words on cooperation between Republicans and Democrats on the shared revenue bill. Can we expect to see that same cooperation on your tax proposal, whatever the governor has in mind? Do you think we, we could go down that same path, or is this going to be a little more fraught with peril?
1: Uh, I hope not. I mean, you know, as I've said before, we have tried to be as sincere as we can, to hit the reset button to say, look, there are going to be things that we have a difference of opinion on. I'm proudly pro-life. He's probably pro-choice. We're probably not going to find a whole lot of middle ground on issues like that. But on things where we know that there are problems to solve, look, Wisconsin's tax burden is too high. Uh, Even Governor Evers, when he ran for uh, re-election, said he favored a tax cut. So I think it should have been across the board so that every person who pays taxes uh, gets some kind of relief. He doesn't agree with that. He thinks it should only be focused on the middle class. He vetoed the bill. Um, so we can either keep going back and having the same argument, or we can make a small adjustment, which is what we did. So the bill that we have that we're going to present focuses on the middle bracket. It's uh, the vast majority of Wisconsinites. It does not reduce the top rate. So unfortunately we'll be uncompetitive uh, for the most successful staying in Wisconsin, but let's have an argument about that at a different time. And the second thing that I heard far too often is the number of friends, supporters, relatives, who have moved to states that have a lower tax burden when they retire. And I certainly can't fault people when you decide to go somewhere for the winter because it's cold and as you get older, you might not like the winter as much as you do when you're younger. But I want to figure a way to keep retirees who are successful in Wisconsin six months in a day. So the proposal that we're bringing forward does the middle-class tax cut that Governor Evers talked about, but it also adds on saying that 98% of the retirement income a Wisconsinite would earn Uh, would be exempt so the vast majority of people not the wealthiest but the vast majority of people would see significant reductions. We joined only a handful of states around the country, and the goal would be to keep more grandparents here to be close to their grandkids, giving to the local charity, volunteering for whatever their favorite organization is, all in a way that still allows us plenty of money to spend on priorities for Wisconsin, but has the top priority where Republicans are, which I hope Governor Evers agrees with, and that's to reduce the tax burden for almost everybody at the state.
0: i got to say, that was the eyebrow raiser for me, the impact on retirees. If we talk about people free- Leaving the state, maybe that's a strong word, leaving the state in the wintertime, whatever, you know, whatever choices they make, if we can retain some of these permanent residents and build our base, grow our population, I think we have a healthier state.
1: A hundred percent, which is why we're trying to look and say, you know, we could keep having the same political argument. Look, I still think our plan that we adopted in the budget was the best one, but the one that we're talking about isn't bad, it's just different. So I hope that we can look and say we're pivoting um, to say that we're going to accept some of the parameters that Governor set, even though, again, we don't agree with them. I want to get something done, Steve. I, I don't want to keep having this argument where we have billions of dollars sitting in the state's coffer with uh, politicians on both sides wanting to spend it. I think the better answer is to get it back to families. Uh, and when you look at the numbers on the retiree uh, aspects, The average person would say fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars. I mean, this is real money Mm -hmm. that can go toward paying their property taxes or paying for prescriptions or all the challenges we're having with inflation. Uh, same with the middle income tax cut. A lot of people are going to have money in their pocket, not the forty dollars that Governor Evers had in the budget, something much more significant like five, six, seven hundred bucks. So we want to do things that are meaningful and real. And I'm hope that we can find a willing partner in the governor to get it done.
0: And in the effort to move this forward, what is the next step for returning your surplus for that proposal?
1: Uh, We had a good hearing yesterday, uh, lots of positive comments. The committee will vote next week. Uh, I'm hoping it'll be a bipartisan vote, but we'll see. Uh, and then the bill will be on the floor of the Assembly sometime the week uh, of September 12th with the hope of getting it to the state Senate where they can take it up the next week potentially uh, and get it to the governor's desk before the end of the month so that we can adjust everything. And when you file your taxes in January, it would be at this new lower rate where people would see immediate relief uh, and hopefully a significant number of people when the winter comes making a decision to stay here instead of finding a place to live in uh, in another warmer state.
0: Wisconsin Assembly Speaker Robin Voss joining us on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline. When we talk about these back and forth, have you seen, and I don't know if I've seen it today or not, a, a direct response from the governor on your Republican proposal on, this, on taxes?
1: Well, it sounds like from one of the media reports that I saw that the governor said he was uh, supportive of some sort of retiree relief. Uh, my hope is that if you look at the whole plan, uh, again, we're not focusing on the upper income bracket. We're focusing on the middle class. Uh, You know, two teachers, a successful small business owner, you know, a lot of people who would provide that relief that's needed. And then you add in the retirees. It seems to me that it would meet his criteria, but you'd have to ask him yourself. Yeah, and I I think
0: on the stipulation that you have already agreed to that you won't impact that highest tax bracket, that is listening, I think, to the concerns the governor raised. And I think that's a direct back and forth that I think most Wisconsin voters, taxpayers, residents, can understand that is a, a, a willingness to listen to the other side. Do you agree?
1: I, I do, and that's where, like I said, I still think it's the better option. Um, but I, I don't want to keep having an argument. That's that's the one thing that, as you know, the, the longer you're in politics, there are certain things you stand on principle, and I I will always do that. But I don't want to keep having the same argument, never making any progress. And this is an easy way for us to both get a win. Uh, both sides can say that's a win. And on top of it, everybody in Wisconsin who pays taxes gets a win, too. That should be something we can all rally around.
0: I right, use the term argument. So I'm gonna we're going to shift and we're going to pivot to the Wisconsin Supreme Court. You have made some comments, and as as a lot of other people have as well, about the newest justice, Janet uh recently sworn in, and uh, her... I would say unwillingness to recuse recuse herself on some of the issues that she talked about during the campaign, how steadfast, how insistent are you that impeachments, which is a, a term that gets thrown around a lot in not just Wisconsin politics, but national politics, that that's on the table.
1: Well, let's start by saying, let, let me just draw a scenario and let's take out the politics of it and just do something that people understand in their own lives. So, You uh, have a judge who reads the newspaper when he gets up in the morning or she gets up in the morning and sees that there was a murder that was committed. And they go to their friends and relatives and talk about it at their local service club and say, boy, I read that story. It sure seems to me that the guy is guilty. I can't imagine anybody reading the story or hearing the case and not saying he should be found to be uh, guilty. And then they're assigned to the case. And they say to everybody, well, even though I said those things, I can still be independent. I can still listen, and I'll be impartial. I think that the defense counsel and anybody who would be an independent observer would say, well, no, you've already prejudged the case. You can say you're independent. But when you've told people how you believe, you're going to have a bias when you listen to the arguments that would lead any fair person to say you can't be impartial. And there's a reason that the scales of justice are blind. You're supposed to be impartial. So she said, I mean, it's on the record. She was very proudly saying it all through her campaign that she's prejudged the case. Well, the Judicial Code of Ethics makes it incredibly clear that if you prejudge a case, you need to take yourself off of it. And and let's remember, there are seven justices, and when this case was heard, um, one of the conservatives, Brian Hagedorn, sided with the liberals. So it's not saying that we will win the case somehow if she is taken off of it or she chooses to recuse herself. It's saying that we're going to have a better chance at an impartial trial as opposed to one person starting the trial having prejudged the murder case. It's just not right.
0: Do you think it's unique to Protestants, or do you think other justices, conservative or liberal, in the past have also fallen into that trap?
1: Well, if you look at it, she did something that was really unprecedented, and that's she commented on cases that were going to come before the court. That is a mistake in my mind. It's something that hasn't happened in Wisconsin, where we've had justices, liberal and conservative, say, look, I can't comment on that because there's a case that could come before the court, and I don't want to prejudge anything. He made a different decision to do that and now she's got to live with the consequences. When you prejudge a case, You can't say that you're blindly going to judge whether or not something is guilty or innocent. You need to take yourself off and allow those who haven't prejudged the case to make the decision. So it really shouldn't be all that controversial. And, And that's where my hope is we never even get to the idea of talking about impeachment, because when you raise your right hand and you swear an oath to the Constitution, you should follow the precedents that have been set before and you don't prejudge a case. You say that you are independent when you really are. And you allow the process to work its way forward. Now, she made promises to her political supporters of doing something. Well, that's wrong for the court. And if she does that, that will certainly be something that is clearly outside the norms. And, you know, I don't want to have an impeachment. That's not my goal. But I think that any independent person would say it's one of the duties we need to look at And If somebody breaks precedent, it does something that is clearly outside the judicial code of ethics. We have to take a look at it.
0: She has said, Janet Protosewitz, Justice Janet Protasiewicz, that she would recuse herself from hearing cases brought by or against the state Democratic Party, something that conservative justices in the past have not done when they've been either supported by a conservative organization or received money from the Republican Party. Is there two standards here?
1: Well, I think there's a difference, right? So uh, she can choose to recuse it whenever she thinks it's appropriate, and if she wants to recuse because she was bought and paid for by the Democratic Party, I understand that. Um, but the difference is the Democratic Party isn't saying we have one particular case. So it's it's different when you have people who are supporting an idea and you listen to both sides. because You might have supporters on both sides of a case uh, and then you decide what's best. But when you go in front of the public and say, I have predetermined how a case that comes before me is going to be decided, that totally upends the system of justice. Again, back to my analogy, it says that a person who is supposed to be presumed to be innocent before they're proven guilty, we well, have already decided that no matter what they present, no matter before a single fact is brought before the court, you've already decided that their, their arguments are invalid. Well, that means you can't be fair and impartial, and that's the entire point of having an independent judiciary is to guarantee that everybody has their day in court where they each get to make their best argument, and the best argument wins, not the one that was prejudged before any arguments even made to the court.
0: Is it your understanding under current law, legislation already passed by the state legislature, that it's, it's strictly her decision, or does the entire group of justices make a recusal decision?
1: You know, Steve, I'm not an attorney. I don't want to pretend to play one. I just know that it is very apparent that if you prejudge a case under any circumstances, whether it's the circuit court, the appeals court, or the Supreme Court, you should take yourself off the case. That is a basic understanding of how our system has always worked. And imagine if we now say it's up to a judge when they predetermine the cause of a case to determine whether or not they can be impartial, especially when there's no appeal she is the final appeal. So it's not like a circuit court where you have somebody making the same arguments that she did prejudging a case and an appeals court could say look you were wrong it's it's uh, totally biased and you were not fair in the process. She's supposed to be the arbitrator of last resort which means she should hold herself to a higher standard than any other judge in the state which is why I still think that when you raise your right hand and you take an oath you take a different role on and that she will do the right thing, and it will require us to not have to do impeachment or even discuss it, because she will recuse herself in a way that she has become so incredibly
0: biased. One more question. You had mentioned in a previous interview, uh, not on this station, that you were talking to a constitutional scholar about this issue. What has that scholar advised you, and is that is that a public record conversation, or is that just a sidebar
1: somewhere? No, it's just a sidebar, I because mean, I'm trying to make sure I understand exactly what our role is in this entire process. Look, it hasn't been done before because we've never had a case where a justice predetermined what the cause was going to be and then acted on it. So I still hope that we will follow the long-established precedent where the justice who predetermined a case will take herself off and will allow the remaining justices to decide uh, that the maps in Wisconsin were legal, constitutional, and just like the U.S. Supreme Court said, totally valid.
0: Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, always, always, always appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, calling in this morning. Thanks
1: for having me on, guys. Have a good day. Happy Labor Day.
0: Happy Labor Day to you as well. Assembly Speaker Robin Voss. You have thoughts on what he just said? 855-616-1620. The old National Bank talking text line.